I'll field this one. Let me ask you a question. Why would a man whose shirt says genius at work spend all of his time watching a children's cartoon show? I withdraw my question. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Bossman, we've been on the phone talking about all kinds of stuff already. Now we're just doing it for public consumption. I don't know if I can meet your energy level. I'm working hard at that. Don't be disappointed in me. Ian, we got a good one today. It's a Q&A episode. We get these cues from you guys. They're emailed. They're voicemailed. They're coming to jane at tropicalmba.com or to our first names at the same domain. Let's jump right into them. First question is from Shayna. Congrats on growing Dynamite Jobs. This particular question came as a response to our year-end newsletter, which gives all kinds of updates about the things that we're doing, some insider information, some stuff we don't share on the podcast. If you want to check it out, go over to tropicalmba.com and subscribe. Okay, so back to Shayna's question. Although I know the story has popped up in bits and pieces throughout the year's episodes, I'd love to hear a deep dive episode focused on what you did what worked, what didn't, et cetera, when it comes to DJ. So specifically, Ian, on that particular newsletter, I shared that we did over half a million dollars in sales in 2021. It's kind of a number we went back and forth about whether we wanted to share it or not. I just wrote it in that newsletter and got a lot of positive responses. I also indicated that our goal this year is to 4X that number, aka to hit $2 million in revenue this year. And we really have no idea how we're going to do that. Or, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, not ex- it's not exactly true. But I do think I was listening to the Godfather, the Podfather, Rob Walling the other day. And I thought to myself, we do have a growth trajectory. And I do think one of the things we ought to do here in January is dig into those mechanics just a little bit clearer about how specifically we're going to get more leads, more sales. In other words, I think we can perhaps find a little bit more science behind how we're actually going to do 4X this year. I've got some ideas. Should I share them on the podcast? No, but we do share a lot of the Dynamite Jobs updates on this podcast. One thing that I don't want this uh, show to become necessarily is the DJ Updates podcast. And I think we could easily do that. We could easily talk about this business every show. Maybe we should start a Dynamite Jobs podcast, Dan. But I think it's like a taste thing for me. We have a lot of interest. We have a lot of people on the show having questions that aren't related to DJ. And so I think it's just a taste thing and like an interest thing. I think we could potentially start more regularly updating people on what's going on. But are we trying to acquire customers? Are we trying to acquire investors? Are we trying to help other people grow their business? So then we would have to explain DJ in a way that's relatable so they can do the same thing. I think it's relatable that we're struggling to do this. Even though we've had a podcast about business success for 10 years, we still suck at it in large part. And I think this is kind of cool to see that like it's not easy street over here just because we have a lot of friends doing this stuff. It's still hard work. And I don't know, I like that. Well, I wrote down some wins and losses from the last year, so I'll share those. Here's a couple uh, wins is running podcast ads on this particular podcast for our services at DJ 
was a really big win. And uh, something I would always sort of aspire to is to basically advertise for our own stuff. And I had this fantasy that when we would do that, we would just stop advertising altogether. But we sort of reached out to our partners and they all still wanted to advertise with us. So it was a really big win last year was not only running our own podcast ads, but the fact that our ad partners, we have more of them than ever, more interest in advertising on this podcast. We've been noticing a lot of people coming through. Another win, Dan, this year has just been engaging and talking with our customers more. Like every company does this. They go through these phases where like they do things without talking to their customers. This was the first year or two of DJ, essentially. is like we delegated the task of like building this business to other people on our team. We weren't engaging with our customers. And so in 2021, we made it a huge point to like talk to our customers, figure out what their problems were, understand them deeply. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. We got people on the phone, we engaged with them, and then we became an integral part of their team and their company essentially the solution for their hiring problems. Yeah. And number three is to simplify our mission. Shana, at the beginning, you see these incumbents that you're competing against. And it's it's terrifying to say that you essentially do the same thing. And so you want to try to come up with a bunch of different things that you do. And at the end of the day, uh, what we're selling at DJ in our core product is relevant people in your company, relevant applications. And that's a really hard problem to solve. And it's one that we're throwing the kitchen sink at. But by staying focused on the problem, I think we're doing a much better job. And it really simplifies that roadmap as well. It's also super expensive, Dan. Serving the remote job market is is super expensive to do. Actually, it's something that we should do at some point is like add up all the money and time that we spent on this so far. Because I know, my friend, that we are still in the red on this. Oh, yeah. 100%. So we did a half a million dollars in revenue last year. We're still in the red. It's a complicated, big problem to solve. It's scary to take a stab at it, but it's been so far so good. A couple of things that didn't work this year is our services marketplace. I still think it's a big opportunity, but I think this shows my naivete in terms of software development and just focus in general. And this idea that we're, oh, while building a competitive remote job site. We're just going to start this new concept on the side of it. I mean, it's just expensive. Like you said, like it costs X amount of dollars just to do the main thing. And now we're going to do another thing along with it. So I do think someday there will be an FBA for services, a high-end Fiverr for business services. There are sites that are doing it successfully right now. We're just not one of them. And I think it's also this idea, Dan, of like timing. It really matters. It really matters who's doing what, when. I honestly think we could be like a little bit early on this services marketplace. If you look at like the grander vision, which I think that we share, which is essentially like work becoming decentralized and services like replacing people essentially in a lot of different companies, it's on target. It's what's going to happen. But I do think that timing really matters. And I think in our particular instance, what you alluded to was like resources really matter. So like our development resources, our marketing resources, all these things. And like where we have the most traction right now is in the job space. And although I think that jobs will be replaced by services in large part, We might be too early on this. So it's one of the things that we, I think we just missed a mark in terms of like our resources and also timing. Well, one of the ways I can translate this into a principle that might be useful to Shana and other listeners is a common piece of advice. I think I can attribute to Andrew Chen, who said, be 5% different, don't be 50% different. 
And the basic idea is that you can leverage the intelligence in the marketplace. So remote job boards that give this many applications for this level is valuable to the marketplace. So do something 5% different, cash flow it, and then 5% compounding over a decade could be really different in 10 years if you survive. Yeah. And so it might be the case in 10 years, if we stay focused, that you can log into your DJ account, start performing work under a service category, and cryptos come into your <laughs> into your wallet. That might be a real thing that you can do on the web, and you might be able to do it at DJ, but you're not going to do it three months from now. We don't. We can't afford to test that concept out. That's why venture capital exists. If you need help getting control of your email inbox, this is for you. That's right. This episode is brought to you by the team at MailmanHQ.com. It's a Gmail plugin that lets you decide when and what emails land in your inbox. Many of our listeners spend a huge portion of their days inside of their inbox. And if you're one of them, pay close attention to the next 30 seconds. See, Mailman allows you to set up your own emailing schedule on both your personal and work Gmail accounts such that all incoming emails are collected and delivered to your inbox as per the schedule you set up that's in batches so nothing drops in between. Now, what about those urgent emails? Don't worry, Mailman lets you configure your VIPs so their emails will land in your inbox immediately so you can respond and make progress in your business. And there's so much more too. So get a defender and an ally in your inbox. Get Mailman. Sign up for a free account over at mailmanhq.com slash tropical MBA. If you use that link and decide to upgrade to a paid plan, you'll get 30% off your first year via this link. So here it is again, mailmanhq.com slash tropical MBA. Thanks to the team at Mailman HQ for sponsoring the show. Go give them a try. Give them a look. Get ahead on your inbox. Again, that's mailmanhq.com slash tropical MBA. All right, Ian, we're moving on to our second question from listener Norman. What up, Norman? He writes that he's had two listener Q&As over the last two years. We appreciate it, Norman. So I'm going to paraphrase some of what Norman is saying. Essentially, he's built an authority website in a niche where his primary acquisition uh, funnel was affiliates and SEO. And as the space gets flooded by social media influencers, he's seen the need to perhaps pivot into something of a more real product business. And now Norman reveals his niche to us, but we're going to keep that secret. So I want to replace his niche with one that we could work with. So how about we just say overlanding trucks? So overlanding trucks are a four by four that you like drive through the desert and camp on the roof and stuff like that. So let's just say Norman has an uh, authority site there. And now all of a sudden there's all these YouTube channels and Instagram stuff and TikTokers that are kind of like, there are. This is correct. This is not hypothetical. Yeah. Well, I'm falling behind on the SEO acquisition channel because if you type in like overlanding truck on Google, we know exactly what Google's bringing back to you, which is nothing useful. <laughs> Google search results suck. What is happening? I, I have I'm some at, ideas. I'm at the point now where I legit type in Reddit, like 50% of my Google. I just go to Reddit to, I want to hear what people think about things. I don't care about the you, top 10 billboard sites for whatever product I type in. 
we're working on a, a project over a DJ and we came across some documentation from uh, Google and it was basically like talking about like the tone of an article. Essentially, Google can like sense the tone. Mm-hmm. So you can see like all kinds of opportunities for like weeding out people that are talking negatively about something, boosting up people that are talking positively about something. This is the reason why you can't find any personal blogs anymore, Dan. And so that's the reason you have to go to Reddit. So basically, Norman wants a more substantial business that can compete in this new environment. So I'm contemplating a B2B community resource for people building and working on Overland 4x4s and the related gear. Specifically, the manufacturers. B2B. Right. That's what that's what the idea is. So it could be like a forum, mastermind groups, uh, podcasts, events. So cutting to the chase, I've read and listened to all of what's available about the Dynamite Circle Mastermind operations, but I still have some questions and I hope you have a minute to reply. We've got a couple minutes, Norman. So here's the three questions, Ian. I get the feeling that running masterminds must be essentially agency work, managing a lot of people with a lot of personal stuff going on. Is that an accurate assumption? And I wonder what it was like in the early days. Over the years, there's been a lot of appeal to this mastermind concept. A lot of people want to get involved in it. And I think the assumption that it's agency work is not true at all, unless you want to center yourself at the middle as a group coach or an individual coach. So our particular masterminds, we follow this kind of idea of doing the basics elegantly and essentially simply coordinating and letting our members execute based on a simple process. Basically, keep it simple. There's no need for Dan and Ian to get in the mix in the middle of everything. We don't know everything. We put our members together with appropriate other members that can help them. And the second part of this question was, I wonder what it was like in the early days. And I think this is the probably the, the crux of the argument for me, Dan, of not starting one of these businesses unless you are super passionate about connecting like-minded people together and facilitating conversations with them for years. That's why I'm a little bit skeptical about this idea. My guess is that manufacturers do not want to talk to each other. The problem with bringing together manufacturers is that it's easy to rip off each other's ideas, essentially. like There's very little barriers to entry in terms of manufacturing. All this manufacturing stuff, it's like been sorted, right? It's fairly easy to manufacture things. It's its relatively hard though, to start a, an Instagram or a TikTok account that has like a couple million views where you're like laying on top of your overlander 10 minutes outside of LA. No, but seriously, like I think the opportunity might be in like connecting those types of people because essentially these people are like brand ambassadors. They're the people that are essentially like selling these products. Right. Like for example, we've to get back to the first question, we've recently cut a deal with a TikTok influencer. It yeah. worked well for us. And you could tell that the TikTok influencer was good at TikTok, but not that good at business yet. And so trying to figure out how do I approach a deal? How do I figure out my rates? How do I find people who pay the rates? All those kinds of questions could be really, really uh, valuable for those people to have an example. So one of the things to keep in mind when you're talking about B2B communities is Typically, geography works as a way to separate out the so-called competitors. So you can look at old school Joe Polish, for example, bringing in all the cleaning companies because, well, they're cleaning in geographic areas and so they're not really in competition. Same deal with real estate agents. But all of a sudden, you get a bunch of people that are manufacturers, distributors of overlanding products online, might be a little bit less interested in sharing their information. So the key thing about communities like this, I believe, is conception, is what is 
valuable in the very first mastermind, the very first podcast, the very first event? What is a clear value that is valuable to five people, that is valuable to 500, that is valuable to 25 people, right? And essentially in our journey here, like the answer to that was entrepreneurial loneliness. Like these people, and this happened on the first mastermind meetup. Oh my gosh, I can't believe there's somebody like me that lives somewhere else in the world that's having the same problems that I'm having. And I think if you can answer that question, maybe it is for the manufacturers. Maybe they are lonely in their journey to manufacture equipment, although I kind of doubt it. But I know for sure that the person that has a, because I've met this person recently that has like over a million followers on TikTok, has no idea how to run a business per se. And so there's a huge opportunity there to connect them with resources because they've figured out this TikTok thing. What they need to do now is figure out the marketing angle and the business angle. One specific question Norman had was, are, do you have like your members managing groups? Are they paid? Do they get a discount? How does this work? So very specific idea about this, which is our members make amazing contributions all the time. Like D-Ski Colorado, for example, is being hosted by the Colorado gang led by Jeff Furwith, Gerbs, among many other passionate members. They're passionate about sharing their home state with the rest of us. That's so cool. But these are all one-off things. And okay, yeah, member might, they might step up for all sorts of reasons. It could be passion. It could be they want to get some recognition. It could be that they just have energy for it in that moment. And that brings me to my point, which is we don't have any members quote, donate chronic tasks. That's where you get into trouble. If something's going to be repeating, we want to pay for it because that'll be sustainable, higher quality. And so no, we wouldn't have a member do like mastermind matching, which happens on a, a weekly and monthly basis in our community. I kind of think about this, Dan, as like the the camp host when you go camping certain places in America and you show up to the campsite, there's like a, a resident, someone that's like dedicated to staying at the campsite for a couple months. And they can be your resource to like, if you're like, hey, where's the closest store? Or like, when can I have a fire or whatever it might be. And and the reason that the dedicated camp hosts is because they're interested in meeting people. So they're generally extroverts. Also, it's not a full-time position for them. Like they're just going to be there for a month or two. It's a way for them to meet people. And then they like move on and the next camp host comes in. So Again, it like goes along with this theory that like if it's work that needs to be done for like the next year or two, like you're probably better off hiring somebody because essentially that person is going to get burned out because the pay is like very low or there is no pay. And the idea that they're going to meet people for the next three years is probably going to wear thin pretty quick. All right. So I have three kind of higher level ideas because Norman, here's the reality. A lot of people come to us over the years and say, it's amazing what you've done with the DC community. I want to do something like DC for this. I've seen it happen so many times that I want to bring up my three gut checks, so to speak, of how people do this wrong. The first is they have a poor conception. Typically, it's really bad idea to like copy something that's already successful and not copy what they did in the early days to be successful. When we talk about conception, we talk about what value does it deliver to a small number of people today? And that's why starting a travel podcast that's just about travel, generally speaking, unless you're already a famous person, that's not a good way to acquire an audience. You need a conception that's like, these hosts are doing something very unique on this podcast every week that I can't get on any other podcast, and now I'm going to join this community. And that value proposition is going to be clear to me on day one. So you got to start with a clear conception, test it. It's got to work. 
at five people, 25 people, 500 people, and you got to get it right. The second way I see people getting this wrong is they underestimate the costs because it costs $0 to post a tweet and $0 to post a podcast and $0 to fire up a forum. People assume that these businesses are not very costly to start. Well, that's not really been my experience. I like this idea of assume that every business you start is going to cost a half a million dollars just as a thought experiment and see if it's correct or incorrect in your case. If you value your time at $150,000 a year, that follows with the thousand day principle. Call it $50,000 of expenses plus your salary for three years. Yeah. And then you're just getting cooking, right? And I take $150,000 because that's about the number it would cost to go out and hire somebody that could actually do this on your behalf. And if you personally don't think you could go get yourself a job that is $150,000, like if you couldn't weave a yarn that gets you employed at that level, then you might not be able to weave the thought leadership yarn as well because you need to be a great communicator to achieve both. And it's kind of the same skill set. So something to consider if you're the right person for the job. That leads me to the third way people get this wrong is you're on the content hamster wheel. You better be compelling at the medium you choose or have it costed in how you can pay somebody else to be compelling but that's going to have to keep going to keep the business successful. Yeah, and there's a final thought for me here. Is there, there's a lot of uh, communities that exist like on the back of like corporations. It's pretty thinly veiled, meaning like the interactions are fairly limited in their depth. And I think that that's like one of the most difficult things to to do here. Like if we're talking about like starting a business because like there's an opportunity, meaning like all these manufacturers or all these TikTok influencers or whatever, they're all hanging out and they need a place to talk like People will figure out your intentions like very quickly. And I think in the case that I'm bringing up with like corporate communities, like their intentions are pretty obvious as a user, what they're trying to do, which is essentially get people to buy more product from them. So I think if you're starting from like the first principle of like, I really, my goal here is to, is to facilitate high level conversations for years to come. People will also see through that and they'll see like, Hey, this is going to be an interesting place for the next couple of years. So I think a uh, final thought here for me, Norman, is like make sure that your intentions are, are like aligned with your trajectory and that you can sustain it. I just want to give a big thanks to all of you who listened to ads like this and went on over to dynamitejobs.com to see what we've got going on over there. Because of that, We've helped place hundreds of qualified remote professionals in your companies last year. And for this holiday season, many of you are gearing up your operation for continued growth in 2022. And to help you do it, we've got three exciting options for you to explore. The first is our entirely new hiring platform with a job post dashboard that allows you to repost and promote anytime. We've got a growing list of features there, including intelligent promotion options to help you get the maximum amount of applications. We've also got our done for you service. If you're sick of sorting, assessing and interviewing, you can hire our senior recruiting staff to do the heavy lifting on your behalf. They are experienced at identifying trajectory, alignment, salary fit, and much more. And the best part is it's a flat fee. If you're hiring multiple times in 2022, we're offering bundles with steep discounts. Head on over to dynamitejobs.com and book a call to hear about that. And finally, we offer contract recruiting. That's right, a zero risk hiring option if you don't really know about the long-term fit or if you're looking for a partner to help take care of the legalities of hiring contractors. We can do that for a monthly fee 
for the contractors that you bring on board. So let's grow together. If you're looking to grow your remote business, book a call with our team and find out today how Dynamite Jobs can help. You can find out about this and much more over at dynamitejobs.com slash remote recruiting. Final question is one we picked up from a really interesting thread inside the DC forums. It's from Harry Morton, the founder of LowerStreet.co, which is a podcast consultancy for brands. And the question goes like this. I'm becoming aware that I can't be everyone's friend forever here, and maybe I need to embrace this shift and move from colleague to boss. But I'm still feeling out what it looks like for me. Has this happened to you? How have you negotiated it? And what have you done differently? Am I wrong? Is it possible to maintain the same dynamic at scale? If you've grown a team, I'd love to see what's worked for you. And how do you create, encourage, and facilitate channels for the team to communicate without you? Somewhere they can build relationships and chat without feeling like they need to have their guards up or you just assume that this is happening and leave it to them. So what a wonderful question because it's really an enormous scope, but I do think it's an opportunity for everyone to sort of weigh in with their personal experiences. So maybe we'll start with yours, Ian. Ooh, I think this is a bit of a complicated question. Whether it's in person in an office or like virtually these remote teams that we're building, like everybody does to some degree like become friends, meaning like you start to know things about people, you start to care about people. I think that's a, a nice uh nice part of it being a human. I think this is kind of like a natural progression. But I guess I'll say this, like uh it's still your job as the founder of the company uh, to be the leader and to like lead people through vision through thoughts, through ideas. And I think that a lot of times, like these ideas can be at odds with other people's ideas, but that doesn't mean necessarily mean that you're going to like violate your friendship or your trust or anything like that. As long as you're in a position where you are the thought leader in the company, you're pushing the company forward and you also leave space for people to have other ideas. I think that these relationships can be sustained we're in a situation or I'm in a situation right now, Dan, where we have employed one of my good friends. He actually works for Dynamite Jobs. Been friends way longer than we've been working together. And I think part of the reason why our friendship is actually continuing to grow and to be healthy is because we treat each other like professionals. And it's just that simple. I and mean, I've seen other examples of it too, where people have been friends for years and they've also worked together. It's like if everybody's doing their job, everybody respects each other, it's generally not an issue. The final thing I'll say about this is like openness of communication. In fact, like over communicating, I kind of pride us in our company on doing this, Dan, which is like over communicating what's going on. I think as long as there's tons of communication, like everybody can still stay friends and also stay business partners and also stay coworkers. Yeah. A couple of thoughts on this. Uh, I love the question. It is complicated. I'm not an expert by any means, but personally, I think you can really only sustain like a deep, meaningful relationship with so many colleagues. And the number I typically point to is five. And so typically as an organization scales, your responsibility is to cultivate that five and then they all got their five. And so this idea that you're going to have your hooks emotionally and relationship wise into 15, 20 people as your organization scales is very unrealistic. And it's probably a disservice to your key players that you need to train in order to that culture extends throughout the whole organization. Other thing is, I mean, in terms of flat, I mean, if you think about a flat organization versus a hierarchical one, a lot of that, you set the tone with those key five relationships and how you deal with those people. Neither of us are very hierarchical in with our key five people, which is 
I think our style that encourages people to be aggressive with their thinking, to sell their ideas, and then to have ownership over what they're going to be doing. So I don't walk into a meeting with my team and say, this is what I need everybody to do right now. So in other words, like as your organization scales, you don't need to change the tone of equality or flatness because you have that tone within your key leadership meeting. And then they go out and have that tone with their team. So I think that it does scale. Those key five relationships, they do scale. So long as you have clarity in what you're trying to do as an organization and that they know what their responsibilities are in terms of managing their teams. Yeah. One of the other things that Harry mentioned in his comments here is, is there a place where uh, people can build relationships and chat without feeling like they need to have their guard up? I think that that's an interesting scenario. Like if people's guards are up, whether this is like in a social situation, like among friends, family, in your workplace, like you have to ask yourself like why the guard is up. And if you're in a position where you're finding that people have their guard up around you, maybe that has something to do with the way that you react or respond to people. Like they have to feel like they have their guard up. It's a reaction to the way that you're acting. Like how are you presenting your ideas? How are you presenting the opportunities, the situation, whatever it might be? And why are people feeling like they have to have their guard up around you? So all this stuff, Dan, I think is like, it's very interpersonal. It usually starts with you not necessarily like with the people around you. It's like how you treat people, how they respond to you, how you respond to them. And I think in like our healthiest relationships, a lot of this just has to do with mutual respect. Getting back to like, does everybody on the team respect each other? Does everybody value each other? If not, maybe start there. The punchline for me is I don't see an enormous distinction between colleague, boss, friend, leader. At the end of the day, like like you said, Ian, we're all professionals. So that's the baseline. And having a clarity of purpose is all about doing some basic truth seeking. And I will say like, this is quite distinct from the jobs that I've had where the conversations were more veiled and political. And I think it, it starts with the tone of how we talk, which is we're a truth seeking organization. We need to be because we're small and we're growing and we're building new products. Whereas larger, more incumbent organizations can tend to be a little bit more political. And so I do think that that kind of starts um, at the founder's desk and how you, how you conversate with your key five, key five colleagues. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me, Bossman. And thanks for sending us your questions. You can email us our names at this domain or send a voicemail to our producer, jane at tropicalmba.com. We'll be back next Thursday morning, Eastern time. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.